Hi, everyone. This is the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas. In this episode, I am your host, Megan Harding, and I am one of the directors for the Austin region of TYLA, and I'm podcasting from Austin, Texas. Today, I'm very excited. I will be talking to Michael Choate, who works at Spear about alternative careers for lawyers. In this series, this is the umpteenth episode. I don't actually know which one, um, but we're excited to get started. So um, welcome, Michael, to the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell us just a little bit about you, your kind of journey into being a lawyer and what you were doing before you were with Spear. So to start off, uh, SPEAR is, stands for the South Central Partnership for Energy Efficiency as a Resource. Uh, we help uh, consumers and large utilities alike implement uh, energy efficiency programs. Think like the Nest thermostats and the rebates you may get. Um, and it goes anywhere from insulation to windows to a whole host of other things. Um, so I'm the policy manager for them, and I have been helping them specifically right now. Um, as everybody knows in Texas, it's the legislative session, so I'm running back and forth from the Capitol a lot. <laughs> it's long um, hours. Yeah, <laughs> doing that and a lot of back and forth. Uh, before I was hired on at Spear, I was practicing uh, energy and environmental regulatory law. Uh, did a lot of stuff in front of the Railroad Commission a little bit in front of the PUC, some in front of the uh, TCEQ. And, and I know this is a little bit of alphabet soup, but yeah. for, the, for the uninitiated, the PUC is the Public Utility Commission. TCEQ is the Texas Commission on Environmental Mental Quality. And so I was doing things like that. And kind of my journey began when I decided that what I was doing didn't exactly line up uh, with my values or my vision for where I wanted to go. And so... Uh, I started a very long process of trying to figure out exactly where it was I wanted to go. And it took me close to two years and I ended up here and was able to luckily do all of that while I was still practicing law, still getting a paycheck and able to support my family. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit um, about the previous job, what you liked about it. And then, and then that moment where you decided you wanted to pivot. So to preface all of this, I graduated from Texas Tech School of Law in 2010, and a couple years ago, a New York Times article <laughs> came out, and I think I think you yeah, know the one I'm talking about. A New York Times article came out that said 2010 was the worst legal jobs market in American history. I was an absolute victim of yeah. that. It took me close to two years to find uh, permanent employment with my firm. And luckily, I fell in with a firm whose culture I really liked, very laid back. Um, everybody was incredibly nice, very family-centered, and came to realize very quickly that I wasn't going to be an environmental lawyer. I was going to be an oil and gas lawyer. Mm. And for a while, that was fine because I was comfortable and I was making good money and I was able to buy a house, yeah. uh, support a kid. Uh, I now have two kids mm -hmm. um, and it gave me the life that I wanted. 
But around the time my first daughter was born, I, I came to the realization really quickly that practicing oil and gas law just was not what I wanted to do. I wasn't excited about it, and I didn't particularly – I wasn't excited to get into the office in the morning. Um, working the long hours was kind of like pulling teeth. And so around the time my daughter was born, about two and a half years ago, I started a process of – of trying to figure out what it was that was going to excite me, that was going to yeah. get me uh, excited to be in the office every morning. And, um, yeah, so I just started a real deliberate process of meeting and talking to as many people as humanly possible. And I would go have coffee and lunch and drinks and dinner and just have meetings with as many people across a very diverse realm. Uh, and for me, it focused more on the renewables, the environmental activism side, and the policy side, getting in front of the legislature and the lobbying side. And while I'm not a lobbyist now, we're a, I work for a 501c3, uh, we do a lot of policy and we educate a lot of legislators. So I was through that big process, I was able to hone in on what I wanted to do, which then put me on a really good path in order to actually start applying for jobs. Um, and that was a whole other process <laughs> entirely. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to get to that in a minute. Talk to me a little bit about um, how the skills of practicing law apply to what you do now, which is essentially resource witnessing, advising, informing legislators, um, about information that pertains to your business? Oh, it's invaluable. Uh, the ability to look at and interpret a statute and then to be able to go and source case law that has then interpreted that statute as well and, and, and advise your organization makes it so much easier instead of having to go relearn a new process. Yeah. So... Being an attorney, aside from just the <clears throat> the overall critical thinking skills, the ability to write, the ability to communicate, uh, the ability to advocate uh, in front of decision-making bodies, be it the PUC or be it House State Affairs Committee, um, it, it gives you a really – it gives you a leg up on, on how – to do that and how to be comfortable doing that. Because there aren't a lot of people that are particularly comfortable with jumping into what can sometimes be adversarial situations. And then just being able to look at the statute and communicate clearly and decisively to someone what it means and what yeah. it will do and what the practical implications of it are. Yeah. So so you went on this search and it was a pretty long search. I remember mm -hmm. um, you reaching out to me and us talking about you wanting to make a transition um, and it taking a while. So talk to me just about what you did in that search, how you used the, the resources that you had and the connections you had to develop, you know, a robust search. Yeah. <laughs> so one, uh, the first rule is, is you can't be afraid to talk to people and you can't be afraid to ask people for help and for advice. And what I did was I started to look back to the people that helped me on my first job hunt, and this was way back in 2012 was my first job hunt, um, and I reached out to them, told them that I wasn't uh, particularly happy with what I was doing and that I was looking to make a change. Uh, and it, it also helped, I'll preface all of this, it also helped that I was to, able to stay in my job yeah. and do my job 
while I very slowly and deliberately looked for a newer, bigger, better opportunity. So what I would do is I would call up one person. Let's go have coffee. We would have coffee. I would tell them what I was thinking, uh, what I wanted to do. And in in the beginning, a lot of times it started with, I don't like what I'm doing right now, but I don't know what I want to do next. And so we'd have a real frank conversation about that. And generally, what I would ask at the end of every meeting was, who do I talk to next? Because eventually you're going to get to the person that can give you a job or the person that can give you an opportunity but it's going to be a pretty long um, process of just meeting the next person. Yeah. So ask, ask people. And 99 times out of 100, you're going to find that people are going to really jump to your aid. They, are, they want to help you. Um, there's a little bit of self-flattery involved because people want, people want to be thought of as somebody who can connect them with somebody else, that, that they have an answer for you. And it just inherently makes them feel good. And kind of as an ancillary thing, it, it could help them in their career because mm-hmm. if they are passing talent along, people like that. Yeah. And, and, it, and it creates this kind of ripple effect. So that is that lays the base for what you want to do. Um, and then beyond that, I would say on your own, read and research and look at what other people are doing and find somebody whose job you want and then reverse engineer what they did and try and figure out where they started and then look at their LinkedIn page, look at their CV and see where they started, where they go to school. Is there a way that you can talk to them and go from how did you get from point A to point B to point C? So it's just a whole lot of talking to people. It's a whole lot of networking. And the wonderful, beautiful byproduct of this process and the way that I did it was that I now have an incredibly strong and robust personal and professional network of people that know me, that know my name, know my face, know what I do, and I can call on them now and... um, and, and ask for help in, in my field. And sometimes they see where I land and they're going to call me and ask me for help. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and as an example, I set up a lunch with somebody who helped me along the way. And he actually thought, you know, I don't feel like I helped you enough. Let's set up lunch. <laughs> so it, it's crazy how these things are going to happen. And it all just has to do with meeting people. It's human interaction. You've got to get comfortable with talking to strangers. You know, I think sometimes lawyers are comfortable talking to other lawyers. Yeah. Um, and we obviously, we met in a leadership program here in Austin called Leadership Austin. Mm-hmm. And there's different variations across the country, actually. Um, and in that program, they are very deliberate to have different industries represented. And that was one of the things that was attractive to me, perhaps yeah. attractive to you. Absolutely. Can you talk about how to build your network outside of lawyers, especially when you're considering maybe pivoting to a non-legal career. Right. Um, so Leadership Austin, we did that in 2015. Um, and so when you, I know, I know I'm going to be preaching to the choir here. When you get into your thirties, it gets really hard to make friends. Yeah. And so, (laughs) and so, yeah, there's no time and you don't want to mess with the BS. You're more tired. (laughs) And and you're working really hard. You're in your earning years. Um, And so 
I looked at Leadership Austin and and thought, I've seen a lot of my very successful friends go through it, so I want to go through it too. There are programs like that all across Texas in big cities and small city and small towns um, where you can put yourself in rooms and, and it's not quite as organic and people kind of do the meeting and the networking for you and then the friendships form and things like that. So using things like Leadership Austin, Bar Leadership Academy, yeah. uh, which I did here in Austin, um, you know, I, and, and a handful of other things, doing things like that can can really help out. Um, it's, it's funny the stage in life I'm in right now where my daughter, who's two and a half years old, is making friends with <laughs> kids at school and we are now becoming friends you with those to. kids' parents because you have to. <laughs> yeah. But that just goes to show that there's these very different crazy ways that you can go about um meeting people and it's not you know it's not having to go meet somebody at a bar anymore uh, <laughs> and, and it, it is in a way kind of like dating but um <laughs> but what, what i would say uh, especially for young attorneys get involved in your local bar yeah that is probably the single easiest thing that you can do because you're going to meet other people who think like you and then just branch out from there because you know that those people have friends and their friends probably aren't all lawyers. I mean, I hope not. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, um, okay, let's get real for a second. So you um, went on a two-year search. I call it my vision quest. For which, vision <laughs> quest. That's a, very, that's a very, like, nice way to wrap it. Well, because I, I didn't know what I was looking for in the beginning, and then I found it. And No, and it's great. I think I talked to a lot of young lawyers and their frustration is the market, mm -hmm. you know, and feeling like um, a couple of things. So one, the market being tough still, um, which now I think it's a bit it's a bit easier than when you and I it, were looking. It's it's um, still <laughs> rough, but not as bad as it was. But it's still rough. Yeah. So, but also the ability to pivot. See, you know, lawyers are kind of frustrated with um, you know having difficulty finding other jobs, convincing people that their skill set is transferable, um, that they can obviously do the job even if their resume doesn't say it. And and that's tough. You know, there is a weight to that um, that can really affect you emotionally and your mental state. And so talk to us just about how you maintained hope and optimism and perseverance in the two-year uh, ordeal. Um, and it was an ordeal. This, this is something that's that's incredibly tough and, and having people because even though you're a lawyer and you have gone through all of this schooling and you have a license to practice law and you are obviously proficient in a, in a very specific area, uh, you're going to go through this process of just complete and absolute rejection. People are going to ignore you. Mm -hmm. People are going to dismiss you. Um, and it is going to be really difficult however there's hope and the way that i found hope is not the way everybody is going to uh, i tried to take solace a lot in my family although the job hunt took a very real toll on my family and, and on me personally and physically and emotionally um, but you also need to realize that nobody can do anything by themselves yeah. And for me, I, I would, I would clear my head by working out, but I also went to therapy, um, and saw a therapist that did a lot of work, 
uh, with people who are in tough job hunts, helped folks with job loss. That wasn't my yeah. my problem, but but you know, tough long job hunts. And so while I was getting help for the psychological and the and the emotional side of things, um, I I was also getting a little bit of a, a pep talk on on how to tailor things this way and how to talk to potential employers this way and where to network and how to network and how to sell yourself. So a job coach, a therapist, and I, I'm a 100% proponent of everybody on earth, regardless of how happy you think you are, needs to have a therapist because you need to have a neutral third party to talk to, to bounce things off of, to unload on, uh, because, as much as your family and friends do love you, they do have kind of a vested interest. You need that uninterested third party. And so that, that's a, that's a long way for me to say that mental health is a real concern, yeah. uh, especially in our profession. Absolutely. Uh, between mental health and substance abuse, I, I want, I want all of my brothers and sisters that are lawyers to make sure that they're taking care of themselves first because it's the, it's the whole, uh, it's the whole airplane analogy. There's a reason why the flight attendant tells you to put your mask on first, because if you don't put your mask yeah. on first, you can't <laughs> help anybody. So you got to put your mask on first. You got to make sure that you are in a good spot mentally, emotionally, physically, even uh, make sure you're taking care of your body. I know that, um, you know, there were times where I would just kind of look at myself and be like, I'm so out of shape and it, makes, <laughs> and it just makes me feel so awful. So I'd get into the gym and I'd feel better immediately. Those little shots of endorphins are, are really important. Um, so, if, if I have any goal, just kind of that's not, you know, my career goal, but that is parallel to that, it's, it's to make sure that mental health is not a joke. Mm-hmm. Mental health should be treated like any other sickness or disease. It should be treated um, with compassion and empathy yeah. and sympathy. And do not at any point in time be afraid to reach out. Um, and just talk to somebody, let your check in with your loved ones, let, let them know that this is a really hard thing yeah. that you're doing because it is. Um, and you know what, if, if, uh, you know, reach out to me, I'm easy to find on social media. <laughs> he is very um, easy to find. <laughs> I, I am. I, 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 this is a, an issue that's near and dear to my heart. I hope that my story can, um, help others do this. And this doesn't even have to do with the career change thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's just. Just the general practice of law, guys. It's tough. Yeah. You, you got to get your head right and if, if you're going to be able to um, to be effective in, in your career, but also to be there for your friends and your family and to just generically enjoy life. None of this matters. Mm-hmm. None of this matters. Yeah. If we're not genuinely enjoying where we're at. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've talked to me about, um, you know, even you making the decision to take the leap. Um, which can be scary oh, yeah. to think I have this very secure job. I have this very real family and very real bills and I'm going to do this leap. Um, you know, but it was kind of based in something that I think is, um, really profound. So could you just talk about that moment where you just made a decision that you were going to prioritize your happiness? Absolutely. And first and foremost, I want to, I want to start by saying that my wife is the real MVP. Of course. She, yeah, Natalie, um, yeah, Natalie, <laughs> the MVP. Natalie, yeah, Natalie is, is the MVP. I want to go on record stating that because <laughs> her role of support and the, um, you know, the proverbial kick in the ass when I needed it was there, um, all day, every day. Um, and it definitely took a toll on her. But, you know, I mean, there was an absolute point. I mean, there was, I can take it down to the second almost when I decided I, I got to change. 
um, and I need to make one. Uh, my daughter was born in June of 2016. I took two weeks off to help my wife recover and, and help with my daughter. And then I went back to work. And when my wife returned to work a few months later, I took another two weeks off. So it was just me and, and my daughter. Uh, and I was learning to be a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, <laughs> all the classes in the world are going to prepare you for that. <laughs> but it was a really great experience. And I just, I loved it to death. And, and the Sunday before I had to go back to work, I had a almost complete emotional break because I thought if I've got to go and leave my daughter for eight plus hours every, you know, five days a week, I better be going to do something that, that I either believe in or enjoy. Yeah. Because if I'm not doing that, then I can't be 100% for my family when I come home. I thought I could, I thought I could compartmentalize and some people do a pretty good job of it, but I'll say that it, you're not, it's, it's hard to do. Um, and so I thought I could compartmentalize and I thought I was getting by for a while, but it was that night that I just decided I've got to make a change. And I, I pretty much told my wife right then and there that something needed to change. Um, and we went through a couple other variations of maybe I can be happy by just doing my nine to five and then doing some other work outside of work or finding a hobby or just you know, working out more, or, you know, whatever. And we came to realize it that, uh, realize that that's just not what it was. I needed to make a career change. And so, um, my wife initially was, was scared and she had every right to be because I think in, in her mind, she thought everything around this is great. We're making plenty of money. We can pay the mortgage. We can put our, our, our daughter in, in private daycare and we can be very happy with it. Both of us can work. And, and you're just going to go and torpedo this because you're not particularly happy at work. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, when I kind of talked her through how I was going to approach the job hunt and that I was going to make sure that I was still working and still providing, and 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 I had a handful of you know pretty big cases in that interim period, um, she realized you know that I needed it and that I was going about it the right way and that I was making you know headway and 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 eventually it hit and. About two weeks after I started my new job, she stopped me while I was washing dishes in the kitchen or some other mundane task. And she just said, who are you? And where have you been for the past (laughs) two years? And I don't think she realized how big of a toll or how much I had changed because I was unhappy. And so, you know, and, and it's that whole, you know, the, the frog doesn't know he's getting boiled because the water the temperature was rising so slowly yeah. and that's just kind of what it was. If it had all happened at once, I'm sure it would have been just an absolute crisis point, but it, but it happened over a few years. So, um, I kind of lost my train of thought on exactly where we were, but, but I think to circle back, you know, I can absolutely tell you the exact minute, almost down to the minute when, when it happened. And, and, and my advice on that would be to listen to yourself. You're not going to, you know, you're not really going to lie. You know what you need. Yeah. And then go for it. <laughs> and then go for it. And then and that is and that's incredibly hard and that's incredibly scary. And again, if you want to talk about it, come talk to me about it. I, I love talking about it because I, your I, inbox is going to be out oh of control. God. This <laughs> is all over the state. Oh man. But um, when you talk about, you know, going for it and finding happiness, you're actually doing something else that's yeah. really, really cool right now that I think is great, right? Like to have something else right. completely unrelated to law. Um 
is is a privileged one, but yeah. really awesome. Um, so talk to us about your other fun venture. Well, um, I, with a handful of business partners, with uh, or which are guys that I grew up with back in my hometown, um, we're opening a brewery. And well, it'll be a brew pub to start That's with, so with the cool. goal with the goal of, of of getting to distribution size in a number of years. But um, I have been, you know, ever since moving back to Austin and watching how the brew scene has has really picked up here, have been inspired, and I homebrew and I help friends homebrew and I help people get into it, and it's just been amazing. And I saw an opportunity to put my. It's another place that I can actually be a lawyer. In a, in a way that I sincerely enjoy as we're going through the permitting and licensing processes through the federal government and the state government and city government. Um, and, you know, our, while I'm in Austin, we have folks in, in my hometown that are working on it. We just hired local council yesterday oh, to help cool. us with, yeah, to help us with um, some of the city permitting, things like fire code and stuff like that. And yeah, it's tell it's, us the name. Uh, we are Plateau Brewing Company because we're <laughs> sit atop the Edwards Plateau out in West Texas. <laughs> it's really cool. You should see their logo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, be be looking for that uh, if you're in San Angelo. So um, yeah, it it was something that I kind of always wanted to do, and then I had one friend who had started another business, and he just said, "Let's do it," and so. Uh, said let's go and we've jumped and we're in the process of doing all that and it's it's been an, it's been fun so far i'm sure there's a lot of heartache to come <laughs> but um but it's been great yeah and it's just another way that i've found that i can actually use my law degree yeah it's awesome so you know you sit here on the other side of of an intense search in a tough time um in a career that where you're not practicing law but right. You love it and, and opening um, a brewery. That's really, really cool. Yeah. So I just, I thank you for your candor and yeah. for being with us today. Um, it's really awesome to hear about someone being able to make that leap and find happiness for themselves. So thank you for listening to the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at tyla.org and leave us a review wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, where, wherever. If there's a topic that you want to hear um, that we have not covered yet, please feel free to email us through our website. And also feel free to email Michael Choate. <laughs> uh, y'all are going to have to find me. C-H-O-A-T-E. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to give out my, my, my email address. Y'all can find me. I'm very where? easy to find. <laughs> Um, with any questions, but seriously, he yeah. really is an awesome resource and an awesome guy who will really help you. So feel free to reach out and thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.